Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Cannons is an immersive feature documentary film following the day-to-day lives of Coach Henderson, Coach Neil Henderson, and his team of young African-American hockey players in the longest serving minority hockey program in North America, the Fort Dumont Hockey Cannons of Washington, D.C. Over the course of one pivotal hockey season, the following the lives of two black teenage hockey players and one legendary coach in one of America's toughest neighborhoods, Southeast Washington, D.C., The film is a part story of sociological and political commentary on the Black American experience, as well as just a wonderful human life drama. The film, again, is called The Cannons, and we're joined today by the co-directors of the film, Stephen Hoffner and A.J. Messier. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having us. How did this project start? What inspired it? Which one of you was most responsible for getting this off the ground? or I had worked for the National Hockey League full-time for over a decade. And um, I was uh, really in charge of a lot of the content for NHL.com. I was a producer, you know, editorial and documentaries. And I was just really excited about telling stories about the game. And I stumbled across this story uh, through my time there. And I really was really interested in, um, you know, exploring it. It was actually at its original inception, a television show idea I had to explore different regions of the world where hockey was being played, you know, very unusual locations. So, you know, I had looked at places in India, Kenya, uh, Kuwait, and then of course, Fort DuPont in Washington, DC, which was this very unique program that I was very curious about. And a good buddy of mine, uh, Jake LeBeau, who is a producer and um, in Toronto. And he was like, you know what, you should really focus on on just that story in, in Washington, see what you might unearth because, you know, the idea wasn't really getting me anywhere from the television show idea. And over a game of basketball, me and AJ were playing downtown Toronto on Esplanade. We, you know, we were shooting some hoops and AJ would, would kick my ass every time. He's got a, a, a great three point game. I'll let me just say that uh, for an old man. <laughs> and uh, uh, we were just playing and I, you know, I mentioned that I wanted to do this story and I had talked to the coach, Coach Neil Henderson, who was this unbelievable man that I was introduced to from uh, my friend Kevin Weeks, who's a, a, an analyst on ESPN now, former NHL goalie. And, uh, you know, I told AJ about it. And AJ and I had met actually through the NHL. And uh, he was a, a photographer, a freelance photographer. And we, you know, started talking. And I was like, you know what? I, I really want to meet this team and go down there and do this this summer. And that was back in 2017. And so the two of us went down with uh, AJ's cousin, uh, Robert uh, Walker Branshaw, and we met the team. And, you know, that was our, our first introduction to the program. AJ, what I see of Neil Henderson, Coach Neil Henderson in the film, he seems like the kind of man that would not go out seeking attention. Hmm. So I'm kind of curious what his reaction was when you approached him about being a part of a project documenting the lives of the Canons. It was really quite receptive. I mean, you know, the first time we went down, which was the summer of 2017, it was their summer camp. And, you know, Steve, myself and and Rob, you know, walked up to the Fort DuPont Arena parking lot. And, you know, we saw these, you know, 40 or 50 kids running in like 102 or 105 degree, like heat, just sweating their butts off. And it's the morning. It's DC. It's August. 
And they're just running and doing calisthenics. No hockey in sight, kind of. They've got their black and gold t-shirts on that say Fort DuPont Cannons Hockey with the hockey stick. And that's really the only thing that made me recognize that they were hockey players. You know, you, you see 40, 40 black kids running in a parking lot. You think, you know, D.C., summertime, you think maybe a football team or, you know, baseball, basketball. But, uh, and they were all sizes and shapes. You know, they were, they were kids that were, you know, eight years old to 17 or 16 years old. And we just started filming and pulling people aside and, and, and talking to, we were trying to shoot our teaser and get some R&D on the team. And, and, and this is our pre-production part. So we were trying to get as much info as we could. And we were there for five days and they were, they were doing their camp for five days. And, and then in the afternoon, they jump on the ice. And that's when you're like, oh, right, like they're hockey players and you see them skating around. But the first thing was, was, you know, coach pulled everybody aside from um, on the team on the ice. And he introduced myself and Steve and Robbie to all the kids and said, I don't. And he's a strict disciplinarian. Like his word is, is the Bible. And he just sort of said, he's like, these guys are, are here. They're donating their money, their time, their energy, their effort, their talents. You do whatever they ask of you. And he's like, you treat them with utmost respect. Whatever they say is basically coming from me. From that moment on, we largely had the run of the team. He wasn't bending over backwards for us to uh, tell their story or or a man that does not ask for favors or help or anything like that. You know, once we started doing it, he appreciated the our our energy and, and and our and our effort never shied away from sharing sharing much with us you know there was yeah. there was really one one thing that we couldn't really you know put in the film and that was his 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 ailing wife he's just like there is you know that's not going to be in this film and there was no debate <laughs> that was that was uh, a no-go okay. which we we of course we of course respected in so many ways um and being documentarians and knowing storylines we tried every single day to to get more and it just wasn't going to happen yeah. you don't you, you can't you can't change uh his stripes he's a he's a very um very regimented human being and we respect that of him i can completely understand why he would be fine with the tension on the team but again i don't think he didn't seem like the kind of guy that seek the spotlight for himself and that that's what comes across in the film it's all about these kids it's all about them giving them an opportunity platform. Let's talk a little bit about the, the program itself and how mm. it started. Um, Stephen, you want to kind of take that puck and run with it in terms of how the <laughs> how this all became part of the, the landscape in, in this part of the southeast part of Washington, D.C.? You know, Coach Neal had roots in Canada. Um, his, his family is originally from St. Croix in um, the Caribbean, but uh, he grew up in St. Catharines uh, in Ontario, was introduced to the game of hockey there as a child. And then uh, he moved, his, his father was in the military, so he moved to Washington, D.C. Uh, as a young man. And he played professionally for, what was it, A.J.? Like three decades. Um, yeah. I mean, he didn't play in the NHL. The Washington Capitals gave him a contract to play, but he was a little further along in his life. And he, was, he already has met his, his wife at the time, so he decided not to do it. And um, so, you know, several years later, he had a son and his son wanted to learn how to play hockey. And so they started to right out of the driveway of his house was a, as that was the first time that they started playing. And then one thing grew after that, that, hey, like, let's play, let's let's make a team. And then he started to assemble some young men who wanted to come and he didn't really ever want to start a program it really wasn't 
the intention, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to start a hockey program. It just sort of happened. And when young men, and he tells the story so eloquently at our premiere in New York, he told this unbelievable story about how, and I won't get into the ins and outs of it, but in a nutshell, you know, he kept coming there with a the small group of kids that they had and just more kind of kept coming through the door. The parents kept asking him like, my son would really like to play, but he has no money. And th those kids happen to be, I guess, young African-Americans, which is predominantly in that area. And he's like, I don't want your money. I just, I want your kid. I just want your time. You know, if he's willing, if he's allowed, then I'll, I'll have anybody. You know, the program just started from there. And obviously with Coach Neal's big heart, you know, he realized a lot of those kids, they didn't have food to eat, didn't often have a proper place to live or didn't have a family. And, you know, in many ways he acted as a father not just as a coach, but as a father, as a, as an uncle, as a, you know, as a, as a mentor to those young boys. And that, you know, transcended into 40, uh, over 40 years of this program and never has made a dime from his efforts has never asked anyone for a dime. And uh, so we, uh, you know, I think just to make a film about this man, or at least, you know, the program in itself was a tremendous honor for both of us. The film is called the Canons, and you can find out more about it at thecanonsdocumentary.com is a good place to go. And for people who are interested in, who want to see this film reach a wider audience, it's a good place to go and find out more because it's a great story. And what I really like about the documentary, in addition to getting to know Coach Neil Henderson, as well as you get to know the team. And much of the story of Coach Henderson is told through the lives of those young men that we see in the film. For a film that is about the canons, Coach Henderson doesn't take up a lot of real estate inside the movie. It's mostly through the stories that we hear from the people whose lives he's had an impact on, which right. really at the end of the day is what he would want. What would, That would be exactly how I'm sure he wanted the story to be told. AJ, let's talk a little bit about some of these young men that are in the film. Um pick anyone you want to sort of kind of give, because I think their story is not just theirs. It, it illuminates so much more about the circumstances from which they came. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think, you know, we, we set out in some ways to tell a different story. Um, as Steven had alluded to, it was much more of a hockey based story. And, and I think the one regret that coach Neil did mention to us was that it was the, probably their most difficult year, which in some ways makes, our story more interesting for, uh, you know, a narrative and movie perspective. Um, but like, it was the least amount of games they had ever played in their, uh, in their history, which was one game. You're right though. Like, you know, he really kind of, you know, when his wife got sick, really kind of stepped away from the team and we had already said we were going to pick, and, and that's what we had done was picked, you know, three kids to follow um, Robert Ravon. And we also followed Eric, who was the actual was, was in the game and was, was a star, but like, in any course of editing a movie, uh, and, and Steve and I went back and forth on this throughout the course of the edit and throughout the course of the movie, it's just like, you know, who are the most captivating storylines and characters to help tell the story? And we ended up going with Robert and Ravon. So, you know, you know, we, Steve and I, the way that we directed this, and, and, and like I said, it was really much more Steve who was the catalyst and, and, and the, for, the showrunner of it. Um, but I was in charge of the coaches and the, you know, and some of the adults and Steve was really in charge of the kids. So, you know, we took it as a two prong attack because I kind of felt sometimes that, that, that you know, uh, the coaches, we needed to be okay with the coaches and, and, and keep them aware of what was going on 
Meanwhile, we're out filming with Robert, Eric, and Rayvon and doing stuff like that. And 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 as, as Steve referred to me as an old man earlier, Steve still thinks he's 20 and he can relate to these kids in a much easier texting uh, world. So that was an easy switch. But like, you know, Steve would be having dinner with Robert and Carolyn or bringing food over to tomorrow to Rayvon. Once you start to widen out the lens on the families and the people around the cannons, Rayvon and, and Robert's story also blossom into something that is what I always like to say about great documentary films and filmmakers is that you focus on something that's very micro, very much a, a small story. But when you find those stories that illuminate something larger than those particular stories, you're really onto something. And I really felt like that's what you were onto in highlighting these different stories. We, we were just really about authenticity. And yeah. it's funny because AJ and I had talked in the beginning, we were trying to get money, we we're trying to get financing. Um, we ended up self-financing the project. I remember submitting budgets for, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. Then it went down to half a million dollars. Then it was like, okay, we'll just take any money we can get. And, and that would have provided us with a, you know, a proper sound engineer, you know, uh, you know, a crew right on site. But at the end of the day, we couldn't afford all those things. And what it ended up being, most of it was just me and a camera with these families and coach Neil in these moments, throwing a, a lav mic on them. You know, I think we both agreed that, that level of intimacy was really where that authenticity, you know, shown from. Because I think if we walked into Robert's mother and his and Robert's dinner, you know, with a boom and boom pole and a PA and AJ sitting there next to me and whoever else, you know, they're just not going to open up the same way. You're not going to get that earnesty. So, you know, I learned a lot just from, you know, other mentors like John Alpert, who was a documentarian who we, we asked to be part of this, but um, he respectfully declined uh, in the early goings. And, you know, just how Verite is really shot. And it's just shot in a way that um, you want to provoke, you want to prompt, you know, questions, but at the end of the day, you want to also just be sort of a fly on the wall. And it's, it's that finding that harmony between it. John had said to us, and this was like one of the things that we had sort of said, thank you for saying this to us. But, you know, in the early pre-pro days, when, when we were doing the 500, you know, half a million, three quarter of a million, you know, budget for a movie, you know, that was us moving down to D.C. and living in D.C. and, and working on this, you know, hands on. But we were also tr open to like, you know, doing it with somebody else and, and, and letting them do it. And we had, a you know, a high level conversation with John and he just sort of said, he's like, this sounds like this is something you guys need to do yourselves. Like he's like, I shouldn't. He's like, if I take it, I'll do it. But you guys won't be part of this project. It'll be my project. But you have so much invested in it. And he sounds he's like, you guys need to do this. And that was kind of our last, you know, kick at the can at having, you know, trying to sell it, trying to do it in a, in a, in a yeah. high level way. You know, at the end of the day, what, what Steve just said, you know, we spent a year and a half or a year and a bit arguing about how to make this movie, you know, with a high budget and medium budget and then a low budget. And from the very beginning, it was always going to be this. It was always going to be just the two of us or maybe three of us. It was always okay. going to be one of us just in the room you know, with the camera, like that's just the way it was going to be. And yeah. um, I believed it from, from the start. I had my doubts along the way, of course. Um, but, you know, and that's what I said to John in the email. I just said, you know, you, you gave us the, the courage and the, the kick in the ass to, to get out there and do it. Yeah. Um, and thank, thank you. Um, I don't think I could do it for 40 years, but, uh, but five years. But he's always been a mentor. You know, I think from, from what I know of him and what I know of DC 
uh, TV, what he's what he's been working on for years, is he's always been that way. That he's a mentor. He's once, in fact, when I had him on, I told him I wanted to do a documentary, and he said, "You got to do it." You know, I mean, it's kind of the first thing out of his mouth. So, in terms of what you just talked about, let's just go. Let's kind of go over that because this show is called Film School Radio, and we talk to filmmakers about making films, not just the yeah. films themselves, but how you made it. Thank you for all of that you just talked about. In terms of you moving forward with your future projects, what has been the takeaway, uh, Stephen? What has been the takeaway from making a film like this? Have you do you feel like this is a this is a path you want to continue to pursue in terms of the way you approach a project? Oh boy, yeah. I mean, after <laughs> I I'll say this: um, I don't think that I could do a project with this amount of time and responsibility on my shoulders as this like again because it's just you can't do everything it's too much i mean i was just in a point in my life where you know the first day of shooting i lost my my full-time job and i was given a severance and i used that severance to pay for most of you know the, the production i mean aj used his own money he lived with his parents drove 10 hours back and forth from new hampshire we went all in you know you know, I'm almost 40 now. Uh, AJ's in his mid 40s. I don't think that I mean, I can't speak. I'll let AJ speak to that. But for myself, I mean, I would love I love telling stories. And I love verite docs. I love documentaries. I think the the level of responsibility held for this, I think it would be wonderful next time to work with a team. But I, I'm not going to stop. I mean, I, I've got something out, you know, in the, in the burner right now and the cooker and, um, you know, you just got to keep that momentum. And I, my hope is that this film becomes a catalyst for many more projects and, um, you know, can showcase, um, you know, at least speaking about myself, you know, what I can do as an artist. And I know AJ feels the same boat yeah. himself, but, uh, but yeah, no, 100%. I mean, well, I, I'm, the, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, in terms, thank you for all of the, what you just said, because I worked on political campaigns for about 15, 20 years. And when I first started, I got the opportunity to talk to a pretty high level political consultant. And he said to me, be careful what you choose to do, because you only have so many campaigns in you. Hmm. So trust me, there's only so many of these that you can do. So true. And I think that was good advice. It turned out to be pretty true. And so, but I think in terms of where I would sort of focus my question and I'll take AJ to you, and that is in terms of picking projects that are more like the, the canons as opposed to hmm. all of the attendant struggles that you had with financing and all the rest of it, as, as Stephen just described, does that sharpen your focus to go after projects that feel like the canons? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, and, and it, as I said earlier, we went, we set out to tell a story about hockey and we ended up somehow telling a story about America present day. And for the large part, like, you know, African-American, the black perspective from two white dudes. So that wasn't our intention. So I don't know if we picked a really good project or the project picked us. That was something that we really fell into. You know, I think we did a really great job of doing it. And it was an honor to, to tell their story. But I would agree with you. I, I said, you know, over the last year, I've had maybe a possibly a few nervous breakdowns just because of stress and COVID and uh, deaths and all this other stuff that I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then all of a sudden I would read a, read a story or listen to a podcast and I'm like, oh, that'd be a good movie. I, I don't know. I mean, I've made my career. I finished, I did film school back in 2001, I finished. So probably like 10 years or seven or eight years after Steve or before Steve. Um, and then I fell into photography and I've been doing sports photography, portrait photography for, 
And it's a really easy job compared to making a movie. Um, you know, it's, it's a one day, two day, three day gig. And, you know, the editing is pretty sweet and you don't really need to work with anybody. And, you know, it's generally pretty posh and there's sometimes food on set. Like it's pretty simple. And I would love to go back to that. That was really um, something that I enjoyed doing, but you never know. I, I don't know. I mean, I knew that I had a movie in me because I actually never finished my, my movie from film school. Somehow I graduated without fin finishing a film. So I've always felt like I had a movie in me. And now thanks to Steve, I have that. I've, I can check that off. But if there's another one, I don't know. It just depends on the story. I love chasing stories. I yeah. love, I love stories. And it, as you can tell, I have a gift for rambling and talking. So, you know, you never know, man, you never know. Well, again, the film is called The Cannons, and the best way to find out more about it would be thecannonsdocumentary.com. Uh, I would encourage you to go there and check it out and, and encourage people to watch this. At the end of the day, it's a moving story. It's emotionally compelling. It is, as you said earlier, real. It's about real people going through real life situations. And every once in a while, you come across somebody in your own life or you see something about someone who is so selfless and so uninterested in self-aggrandizing, and you see the good work that they do and the impact it has, the rippling effect it has on the lives of those people as well as on a community. And this is a great example of that. The Canons is all of that. We do need help because there isn't really anywhere that anyone can watch it right now. So, you know, we had we had the streaming through the Doc NYC where people could watch it, but that ended. Currently right now, it's living on Steve's laptop. We need, uh, you know, we need, we don't, we're, we're in the process of trying to sell it and find, find a home for it. And we don't even know what people can do, but if they want to go to our website, uh, we do have an Instagram page, uh, which is the Canon's Documentary. Uh, we have a podcast that's called The Godfather of Hockey. Um, that we started about seven, eight weeks ago. We've got seven episodes up. Um, you know, people can go to all these avenues and start some sort of groundswell. That would be awesome. Um, that would be great. And, you know, we'll take more followers and we'll take more uh, more clicks and, you know, whatever social media can bring us. That would be great. Stephen, you want to add anything to that? I mean, AJ is absolutely right. We would love for people to follow the film uh, through our Insta or Twitter page or our website. Uh, we'll be providing updates as they come uh, and hopefully we'll glean some positive results from our, our big uh, Doc NYC world premiere this uh, right. last November. The film is called The Cannons. We've been joined today by the co-directors of the film, Stephen Hoffner, as well as AJ Messier. To both of you, thank you so very much for spending some time with us. Thank Great you. Thank here. you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.